Well, you get to keep your gas stove if you live in Berkeley, California, and the Wall Street Journal is crowing as it is a triumph for the fossil fuel industry, but I say not so fast. Hi, I'm Scott Ott by audio only with Bill Whittle and Stephen Green, and this episode of Right Angle is brought to you by the members at BillWhittle.com. As we've mentioned in other episodes this week, I am traveling abroad to see my first grandchild. And so we're doing this by with the thin internet connection that we have here uh, so that we can keep doing it for you. Uh, gentlemen, there is a ruling uh, that I read about in the Wall Street Journal's editorial board opinion piece uh, under the headline, Gas Stoves Triumph Over Berkeley. And basically, the Journal Editorial Board is crowing about the fact that the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals has overturned a ban passed by the Berkeley, California, not the university, but the town or the city of Berkeley, um, banning new hookups for new residential construction for natural gas. So there's an issue here that people uh, tend to be on the conservative side of the aisle care about, and that is the ability uh, to continue to use fossil fuels while they're developing other forms that don't have to be eventually government subsidized. Um, and the case, uh, when you read a headline and a first paragraph that says, uh, Steve Green, that the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals has done something um, and slapped down Berkeley, California, to me... That is full stop, not a yellow flag. This is a red flag. The race is over. We hold still. We figure out what's going on. We pick through the wreckage and discover <laughs> what's what happened here before we start jumping up and down and saying, hey, awesome, gas stoves for everybody in Berkeley and no ban on gas hookups. Uh, Steve, here's the issue. And this is a very complicated thing that goes back to a 1975 act that Congress passed uh, in the wake of the OPEC uh, oil embargo where they uh, basically drove up the price or tried to drive up the price of, uh, of gasoline at the pump. We had rationing for those of us old enough, Bill and I anyway, old enough to remember there was rationing, you know, every other day or Wednesday. Tuesdays, and yeah, even, even numbers. Yeah. For third, yeah, for, yeah. Yes. Now, as it turns out, in hindsight, we look back on that period of time and realize that the reason why we had uh, long lines at the gas tank is because everybody was overfilling their gas tank. People changed their behavior behavior because they thought there was a crisis. And so America's strategic petroleum reserve was driving around in America's station wagons. And so we were all carrying around heavy fuel tanks that we didn't used to when we weren't worried about uh, supply issues. But in any case, this act was uh, sponsored uh, by a Democrat uh, from Washington State, Henry Scoop Jackson, the senator, uh, and it passed in 1975 called the Energy Policy and Conservation Act. EPCA. And the whole purpose of the Energy Policy and Conservation Act was essentially to make the United States more independent so we don't get into a crisis like that uh, OPEC oil embargo. It's about 876 pages, this law is. And I oh, was I've peeling. Read it several times, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I was skimming through it trying to find the yeah. relevant sections. A little um, light reading. That's right. <laughs> So what, here's, what, here's what the court said, and it's a three-panel, a three-judge panel of the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, so it's not the whole en banc group of them. Um, and basically, they say that because of the Energy Policy and Conservation Act, states and localities cannot regulate energy efficiency or energy use 
once a federal standard becomes effective for a covered product and read that that you should read appliances. So basically, and this is hard to, to boil down into, here's the translation. Under the act, locals can't regulate energy use if the federal law already references that covered product or appliance. Therefore, if no appliances are hooked up in an area like Berkeley, that affects energy use. And so the local government can't have anything to say about that. They can't ban gas hookups because it would affect commerce. Uh, Steve, what I immediately went to was the 1942 Supreme Court decision in Wickard versus Filburn, where the farmer who was feeding his own grain to his own chickens was determined to have affected interstate commerce and therefore Congress could require him to buy grain on the open market that he didn't need because he had his own grain. Yeah, and that, one of the worst decisions ever. Yes, and that led to Obamacare. So that was one of the foundations that helped Obamacare stand to court challenges. Um, and I, as I dug into the details of this act, Steve, I found that exactly uh, Wickard versus Filburn language is in the act itself, that basically it talks about anything that would affect the energy supply. So the fact that Berkeley says you can't hook up natural gas to your new house would affect the whole nation's use of natural gas or or rather appliances. And therefore, the federal government can tell Berkeley that they can't ban natural gas hookups. I'm sure I'm not making myself clear. <laughs> but Steve, my position yep. on this is basically that Congress has no business telling Berkeley whether or not it can make a local law telling people that they can't use natural gas in their homes. If you don't want uh, to live in a place like that, don't live in Berkeley. If you have to have a gas stove, go somewhere else or put together a local coalition of people and throw those bums out who voted for that ordinance and pass a different ordinance. Am I whacked in this or are we so sold out to the fossil fuel industry that we definitely support the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals? Well, I'm sorry. Uh, could you go back a couple of minutes? What was that middle part again? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Um, yeah, the problem isn't that that Berkeley is run well, like Boulder is, just uh, northwest of me by the clinically insane, maybe even the criminally insane. Um, if if Boulder or Berkeley want to be gas free, well, you know, I I believe that the city is the most basic part of our our government and cities have the uh, right to define themselves as this as the residents of those cities see fit it's it's easy to move cities uh it relatively easy to move cities it's it's much more difficult to move from one state to another and it's very unlikely that you would leave your country it, it just doesn't happen all that often uh massive immigration to this country uh being one of those few exceptions um, and that's that's why we have division of powers. It's it's why we have a federal system. It's why we delegate or we're supposed to delegate as much authority downward as we're supposed to. Um, so, yeah, let Berkeley be Berkeley. Let 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 Boulder be Boulder. The problem is that uh, we've got the opposite of this. We've got a um, we've got a Ninth Circuit that says it can tell Berkeley what it can and cannot do uh, a Congress that enabled the Ninth circuit. We've got an EPA that has now decided that it's essentially going to outlaw by two-thirds the gas engines that people prefer 
gas and diesel engines that people prefer to drive. Um, if these new emissions go into effect, and it seems likely that uh, that they're going to, barring a miracle in 2024, uh, by 2032, I believe it is, or maybe it's as early as 2030, the regulations are going to mandate that auto companies sell two-thirds electric vehicles. That's up from something like 5 or 7% today. Two-thirds. We don't have the power grid for this. Uh, we don't have the market for this. You, we can't afford this. None of these things. Can, and yet we've got an EPA that's been weaponized by federal law and by ancient and bad Supreme Court decisions to enforce this madness on an unwilling country. Um, it, it's almost as though, Scott, elections don't have consequences because this federal behemoth just churns on and on and on. And it doesn't matter. Even when we win, we can't seem to undo this stuff. We've got to wrest power away from D.C. because it's choking us to death, Scott. And I'm not talking about dirty air. Now, Bill Whittle, um, the, the Biden administration filed an amicus brief in this case and basically backed uh, Berkeley um, saying uh, that they should have the ability to ban new uh, natural gas hookups in new residential buildings. And I'm sure they didn't do that for the reason that you and I would have done that. Um, they, they did that because natural gas is evil or is at least the latest incarnation of evil. Um, but here's what amazed me about this, Bill, is how the editorial board of the Wall Street Journal got completely fished in on this. Um, at the end of their op-ed piece, it says, as usual, and I'm quoting now, as usual, progressives are seeking to advance their anti-fossil fuel agenda through a legal backdoor when they can't get it through Congress. And I put a little note in the margin next to that, and I wrote, it's, it's not a legal backdoor, and we don't want them to get it through Congress. Like the, it seemed like the Wall Street Journal was coming out for greater federal control of local decisions because they're sucking on this fossil fuel teat that they feel like we, you know, is, if, if they let go of that issue, they've lost everything. Um, it, it, tell me if I'm wrong with this, but my view of this is it's actually not nominal conservatives at the Wall Street Journal who are trying to strengthen the regulatory hand of the federal government using lawfare rather than allowing local control through local elected officials making local decisions. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. It's, you know, there's a lot of doing the wrong thing for the right reasons in this story. But to be perfectly honest with you, it, when you start off with the who's right, Berkeley or the Ninth Circuit. <laughs> I'm, I'm just reminded of every time I ever watch the Miami Hurricanes play the Florida State Seminoles and say to myself, there has to be a way that both can lose. There has to be a way <laughs> that both of these people can lose badly. Um, so, yeah, so all the stuff that you've talked about and Steve talked about on a theoretical level, yes, this, this, let's keep power local and all the rest of it. What I think that the big brains in Sacramento and Berkeley and all the rest of them have not figured out, however, is that if you don't have uh, natural gas heating, you're going to use electric heating. And as we all know, electricity comes from fairy dust that's sprinkled all over the planet, and all you have to do is just go get it. <laughs> yes. So by, by, by eliminating the cleanest burning fuel there is and insisting that you use electricity, then there's a passable chance that you're now saying we don't want natural gas, we want you to have a coal-fired heating system or an oil-fired heating system because that's where the actual power is going to come from. And California yeah. is such, you know, they're just such chicken butts about this. They, they, they basically own power plants that are outside the state. We buy a lot of electricity from Arizona, Nevada, that kind of thing. So 
what we really need is we need the national virtue signaling control and abolition law. That's what we need. And and this this business about say, picking on natural gas as a fossil fuel is especially ironic for uh, for me anyway. When I got out here in 1988, I, I got a temp job as a working for Enterprise Rent-A-Car, driving people around Beverly Hills, picking them up and dropping them off. And I was in Beverly Hills for about five weeks in the summertime when I got here. And finally, after five weeks, the air cleared enough for me to see the Santa Monica Mountains. I said, oh, my God, we are in a valley. There's a valley. <laughs> you couldn't see. You uh, On bad summer days in Los Angeles in 88, you could not see six, seven blocks down the street. In the intervening years, I have not seen for the last 10 years in California, the worst day of smog that I've seen in the last 10 years is much better than the best day prior to making the entire city buses run on compressed national gas. It's a it's a clean burning fuel. We were sold that the whole time. It's the cleanest burning fuel. Do this. And it worked. And all these vapor recovery systems that make fueling a car look like fueling a starship, all the rest of the stuff actually worked. So to hear now that 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 what used to be their champion fuel is now the arch enemy is telling me that it's not got anything to do with the environment because this is what California was pushing for for 20, 30 years until until we started making enough natural gas so that we were energy independent, at which point now natural gas has to be uh, completely demonized because it's generated by fracking. And as we all know, that's going to crack the Earth's core. So um, <laughs> so where do you start yeah. this? I want both of them to lose. But ultimately, this idea, that, th- th- this idea of, well, we're going to save uh, uh, carbon emissions by making you use electric instead of gas is this, this idea of we're going to make a blanket longer by cutting a foot off of one end and sewing it onto the other. You know, it's just, it's just madness. Madness. And couldn't happen to a nicer bunch of people. <laughs> so just as I begin to speak, a siren is going by in my South American abode here. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, you know, this this reminds me of so many things in our history and the lessons we never learn. Um, it reminds me of a particular incident that happened to me personally. I was at a public meeting and I asked a question of the attorney general of my heavily Republican home state, who's a, an alleged uh, conservative, who was pushing uh, legislation at the state level to limit tax increases at the local level. And I basically asked the question, you know, wouldn't it be better to allow local control and people can decide who they want to elect in their local towns and cities and uh, and whether they want to stomach the tax increases or whether they want to move elsewhere or however they want to handle that? Wouldn't that be better? And the Republican attorney general uh, told me that the reason why we needed legislation was because voters had called the offices of their state representatives and demanded they do something. And the worst thing an elected official can ever do is do something. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And just because your constituent seems to think that you are the lever that can be pulled in order to make the change they desire happen doesn't mean that you are that lever. But this was the argument of the lieutenant uh, governor of a very Republican state. Uh, who himself would crow about how uh, his his conservative bona fides. Um, Local governments should be allowed to make 
stupid local decisions. And they should then have to face the voters in the next election cycle. Conservatives shouldn't call in the federal government and the federal courts to protect their favored issues because they failed to be influential in an effective way at the local level. Uh, James Madison, way back in the day, and this was Bill, probably more than 100 years ago, uh, when the, the U.S. Constitution was being framed and, and people were uh, rattling around and saying, we need to have a Bill of Rights in this. We need to protect people's rights. Uh, Madison didn't want to put a Bill of Rights in the U.S. Constitution good because his understanding of the Constitution was it's a, a limiting thing on the federal government. And he didn't want the federal government to think it had anything to say about human rights. And it, was, it had nothing to do with the things that later showed up as part of the Bill of Rights. Now, when the Bill of Rights were actually crafted, Madison helped to shepherd them through because he wanted to make sure they were written as well as they possibly could be, given the circumstance. But his argument was, if you let the federal government put this in their charter document, then they're going to believe that they have influence over this, and they're going to believe that they can legislate regarding these issues like freedom of speech and freedom of religion and the right to keep and bear arms and things like that. As it turns out, Madison was prescient when it came to all of this. I think the lesson in this overall is that with this environmental, uh, I'm sorry, Energy Policy and Conservation Act of 1975 and so many others, anytime Congress takes action on an issue, it exerts authority in that realm and forever after usurps local control. And so if you're a conservative, whatever your big issue is, whether it be abortion or transgenderism or gay marriage or energy, whatever it is, don't sell out the process in the, with the goal of achieving your desired outcome. Always, always, always look at the process. And here we've made a major process mistake. And the, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals was more than happy to slap down Berkeley for the sake of greater federal control of your private life. For Bill Whittle and Stephen Green, I'm Scott Ott. Thanks to the members at BillWhittle.com for making Right Angle possible.